Well, welcome everyone. My name's Mark, one of the pastors here. We are so glad that you are here. Perhaps you've come from out of town to be with family and friends, or perhaps it's just a new place for you in town. Welcome. Also want to give greetings to those of you up at our DeForest campus and across the way in Unplugged, as well as our traditional service. Good to be together. So how's it going, this whole thing called Christmas? Are you ready? Are you completely stressed out getting ready? I mean, it's a pretty stressful time. So I, I know there's some students that are looking a little sleepy coming in from college. You've just finished your exams. You've written your papers. And some of you have graduated and you're going, what in the world am I going to do with the rest of my life? And please don't ask me that question again, right? Others of us, uh, the stress is over. You know, we've got family gathering and uh, we've got lots to do, lots of preparations. For some of us, the stress is that there will be some family that are not gathering. We're going to be missing one of our loved ones. My 92-year-old dad died this past year, three months ago, and me and my three sisters were really missing dad right about now. A big stressor, though, sometimes has to do with just the family coming together and the dynamics, right? And some of these fractured relationships and tensions, and, and it's stressful. You may be the only Christ follower in your family, and you're thinking about going home. You're thinking about all the wonderful plans and hopes and dreams you have for the gathering. And you're wondering, is it going to blow up this year? Stressful. The busyness, right? Oh, my word, so much to do. The decorations and the gifts and the cards and the baking and, and the cooking and the office parties and the school concerts. And how do we get it all done? Stressful. And then we got to catch up with some of us, the financial stress of going, oh my goodness, we totally blew the budget. And how much did we put on our credit card? And how much do we already have on our credit card? So it can be a really stressful time, right? So what do you do with stress? Where do you go? What's your well-worn path? What's your go-to? When you're looking for a little peace, when you're looking for some calm in your life, what do you head for? And how is that working? How does it work? Well, we've been hanging out with the prophet Isaiah, who, believe it or not, is writing some 700-plus years before Jesus ever comes about Jesus, about his birth, that he would be born of a virgin, that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. And as we've been going through the names of Jesus in, in Isaiah chapter 9, 6, We've been taking it in and going back to that first Christmas where God gave his most indescribable gift, his only son, for us. The Bible says God so loved us so much, the whole world, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. So I want to go back to that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 and just read along with me actually silently, and I'll read it out loud for us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is the prophet talking about Jesus. And the government will be on his shoulders. He's going to be a ruler. He's going to be a king. And he will be called, here are the four titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne, King David's throne, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So Isaiah is saying to us this Christmas, I want to tell you about a gift that money can't buy. And I know you've had a little wish list, right? Your, your spouse, your kids, your brothers and sisters have been asking you, what do you want for Christmas? And all the stuff that you've said are things that somebody could actually buy and Amazon could get it there yesterday. It's like, it's so great. But what about the stuff that we need, that you need, that money can't buy? Isaiah says, you need a wonderful counselor. A wonder-working, miracle-working counselor that can guide you through life, the twists and turns of life, and whatever life throws at you will help you navigate through it. That's what you need, a wonderful counselor. You also need a mighty God, a God who's bigger than your cancer diagnosis, bigger than your addiction, bigger than your financial woes, bigger than the things that are just tearing your world and your relationships and maybe your marriage apart. Bigger than that. You need the love of an everlasting father whose mercies are new every day. You need the peace from the Prince of Peace that lasts forever. Doesn't come and go. Lasts forever. So we're going to focus in on Jesus being the Prince of Peace. And um, what we're going to do is answer three simple questions. What kind of peace is Jesus offering us this Christmas, 2017? And um, how does he give us that peace? And how do we actually experience that? So the first question is, what kind of peace does Jesus bring? And Jesus' own word says, not of this world. I bring a complete, look at John 14 right here, verse 27. Peace, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus brings a peace that is otherworldly. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, he gives us a peace that passes human understanding. Where do you need that? Where do you need that kind of peace? It's really different from the world's peace. The world's understanding of peace is peace is the absence, the cessation of things that we don't want in our life, like war, like crime, like violence, like chaos, like when your mother said to you guys when you were little and it was craziness, maybe you were in a big fight, and mom says, kids, Knock it off. I just need a little peace. And how'd that go? <laughs> That's right. So you see, the, the world's understanding of peace is, is we don't have these things. But we know we could quietly be kicking our brothers and sisters under the table. And we know the warring nations and tribe can sign the piece of paper that says a declaration of peace. And there's a ceasefire. But the hatred that's been growing in hearts for decades and generations is still just as real. You see, the world's peace is a forgery. 
It's a counterfeit. It looks and promises to be the real thing, but it doesn't last. Jesus' peace is completely different. The biblical understanding of peace is not what we don't have, it's what we do have from God. It's this sense of well-being, of completeness, of wholeness, of soundness. We're flourishing even when the circumstances around us are out of control. We have a peace even when our lives may be crumbling into pieces. We have harmony with God, we have harmony with others, and we're at peace even with ourselves. Jesus said, I came to give you peace, not of this world. That's the peace that money can't buy. So the Bible will say there's three kinds of peace that Jesus brings. There's peace with God, there's peace with each other, relational, and there's peace on earth, global. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, we have peace with God, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So why do we need peace with God? We go, I don't have anything against God. I'm good with God. I believe he exists. And I actually believe he's, he's good and kind. And I'm good. I'm on with God. And the Bible story that we've been chasing through this last year reminds us that we began because we were created by a loving God for a relationship with him. And from the very beginning, we said this, maybe God's holding something good back from us, and maybe he's not that good. And we doubted his goodness, and we rejected his rule, going, hey, God, actually, we want to play God, not just for the day. We'd like it for life. We think we can run our own lives, and we want to run our own lives in the world. And what we ended up doing is ruining it. Because when we disobeyed his clear commands, we cut ourselves off from the source of life. And the word that the Bible uses to describe our relationship from God with God is that we're far from him. It's like a couple who is separated. The hurts and pains have separated the two. We're separated. And Jesus brings peace with God. And the peace with God sets up the peace of God, and that can start working its way out even into relationships. So Paul will talk about the peace that Christ brings to disparate people who've been fighting and at each other's throats for millennia. He's speaking about the Jews and Gentiles in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. What does he write? For he himself, speaking of Christ, is our what? He's our peace. Christ is who has made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, warring factions. He can make us one because he is our peace. Spiritual peace with God, relational peace with our brothers and sisters, and global peace, not now, but when he comes back again. The prophet Isaiah would speak in chapter 11 of a time when the lion will lie down with the lamb, when the little child will be playing next to the poisonous snake, when the bear and the calf will just hang out together having a great time in the field, when the instruments of war like shields and swords will be beaten into plowshares because there will be no more war because his government founded on justice and righteousness will set in an eternal 
reign of peace. We were made for that day. That's how the story all began back in the Garden of Eden. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace who makes peace with God possible so that we could have the peace of God, actually experience harmony, actually be positioned to be a peacemaker, even when others wouldn't want peace. And he gives us the hope of a better day that we were made for, that we long for, a day of no suffering, of no cancer, of no addictions, of no war, no murder, no injustice, no financial problems, no bodies breaking down, no mourning. Heaven on earth, Jesus. So how does he do that? How did he do it? How does he do that? Well, the Bible story tells us he showed up. The Prince of Peace punched through the darkness. For the people who are walking and groping in the darkness, a bright light has dawned. And Jesus is the light of the world that shows up. Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh, John says. And he lived among us. And John says, we beheld his glory. Glory the only begotten son, full of grace and truth. He showed up in the flesh. God with skin on him. And when he came, he preached about peace. And he distributed peace as he would tell people and heal them that your sins are forgiven. The miracles pointing ahead to that great day when there will be perfect peace on earth. But it wasn't enough that he came. And it wasn't enough that he preached. It wasn't enough that he healed. He needed to come and die in our place for our sin. And Isaiah was all over that 700 years before. He talks about this Savior who's not just a mighty God and not just this ruling king, but he'd be a suffering servant. Didn't make sense. That's why so many people missed him when he showed up. They were looking for a conquering king who would throw off the shackles of Rome. But he came in humility. He lived in obscurity. He died hanging naked on a cross on our place, in our place for our sin. And 700 plus years before, Isaiah would prophesy about his sufferings. Eight times in chapter 53, he's going to mention this, that Jesus' sufferings, his wounds, his piercing, his pain, is going to all be in a substitute manner for our wrongdoing, bearing our punishment, <clears throat> our sin. So we read in Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he, speaking of this coming Messiah, even Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So Jesus makes peace with God possible through experiencing the worst. And it wasn't just physical, and it wasn't just the emotional anguish of all the mocking and the their horrendous insults and the spitting and the ridicule from the religious leaders. It was even from his own disciples who fled and one betrayed him, another denied him. But Jesus came in our place, bearing our punishment that we might have peace with God and the peace of God. 
So I want in on that. Do you want in on that? A peace that lasts forever. A peace that isn't just I don't have these things, but I have so much that I'm flourishing. There's this overflow. There's this balance, ballast in the storms of life. That's what we need, and that's what Christmas offers us. So I want in. You want in. I hope. How do we get it? Which is like the presents under the tree, right? There's presents under the tree. It's going to have your name on it, one or two of them, right? Three or four of them, kids, right? And someone's going to bring it to you and say, this is, this is for you. And you have a choice. You could go brown paper back, nah, I don't think so. Or you could say, yeah, I'm always up for opening a present. And we open it. That's what we do. We open gifts. This is a gift. And we open it. We don't earn it. We earn paychecks. We receive gifts. And the Bible says we open this gift, the gift of God's love and mercy and forgiveness and peace through faith in the Prince of Peace. Through faith. We trust that he is the Son of God who came to do what he said he was going to do, give his life a ransom for many. We believe that he died on the cross in in our place for our sins, and we believe he rose from the dead, giving attestation that he is who he said he is, and he did what he said he did. And so, friends, I know what some of you are thinking because you've heard it before and you've had the same conclusion. Come on. What do you mean that's all I have to do? I mean, I don't have to bring anything but my faith to the table. This is just too easy. Anything that's too good to be true is not true. And what I'm saying is you are misunderstanding what is required to trust in Christ. Let me help you. When Jesus asked people to trust in him and to follow him, he said, well, if you're going to do that, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. What was he saying? He wasn't saying go look for a hunk of wood and throughout your life you've got this burden on your shoulder that you're to walk around with. No, that's not what he's saying. He wasn't even saying uh, you just need to embrace the fact that you could experience lots of suffering in this world, which Jesus did, did, did teach. No, actually what he was saying is the cross is a symbol of death. You've got to die to yourself. Remember how we got into this problem? We were living for ourselves. We wanted to be king of the universe. And God said, you've got to die to that. That's what's mucked it all up. And so you've got to give up control of your life. You've got to surrender to me and ex- to receive my peace. Have you done it? Have you done it? Swallowed your pride and said, Lord, I need you. Now think about it. Keller makes this point in his little book, Hidden Christmas. It's a great little analogy. He said, so you could receive gifts this Christmas that would require you to swallow your pride. Gift number one. How to lose 20 pounds. You're going, wow, that was a little personal. Gift number two. How you can get into shape. Oh, I see a theme happening here. Okay. Gift number three. How you can overcome selfishness. Oh, wow, this is great family and friends I got here. We got a choice. We can just throw them back at our friends and family and say, I'll find a new set of family and friends and say, I don't want these gifts. Or in receiving them and thanking them, we swallow our pride and go, you know what? I probably do have a little room to grow. And Christmas isn't just a revelation, which it is, 
of God's great love for us. Come on. Would you give up what is most precious to you for someone who hated you, didn't care about you? He did that. It's this huge revelation of the Father's heart, but it's a huge revelation of our own need, that we need a Savior, that we don't have the wisdom it takes. We don't have the strength it takes. We don't have the love. Oh, yeah, we're doing great loving the people that are lovable, but for the people that are flat-out jerks in our life who have hurt us and ruined us, we don't have any love for them. We don't have peace. We are people like in Isaiah's day who are groping in the darkness of our ignorance and rebellion, who need saving. This Christmas, 2017, God has a wonderful present for you. Don't leave it under the tree. For those of you who opened it up, and like we did as kids, we moved on to the next thing. He's calling us home. I mean, how is it working, these things that we're chasing for peace? Is it the bottle? Is it the pills? Is it sex? Is it success? Is it power, prestige, lots of money, new toys? How is that working? Are you flourishing? Is there completeness to your life, wholeness to your life? Or do you find yourself in the abundance of stuff still craving for more? Our hearts are restless, Augustine said, until they find their rest in you, O God. Oh, there's this beautiful blessing that Paul gives to his brothers and sisters at the Church of Rome that I'd leave with you this Christmas. May the God of hope, this is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with not some joy, not a little bit of joy, all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Seven years ago, Lori and I we're camped out on the 11th floor of the University of North Carolina Medical Center. Our daughter, Laura, our oldest daughter, had just been crushed, T-boned in an accident as she was heading to fly up here. Her husband was back at Fort Bragg. She never saw it coming, pulled out in front of a F-350 pulling a 20-foot trailer going 65 miles an hour. She's airlifted. We get the call. We fly. We get there at about midnight the doctors show us the fractures on her skull, the brain bleeds, and they tell us in the next 24 to 36 hours, it's going to be critical. Her life is hanging in the balance. And you prayed for us, and friends prayed for us. And I caught up with that peace that passes understanding. I, I didn't catch up with it on Saturday when she came out of her coma and looked at John's friend Blake and said, hey, Blake, you still owe me that chicken recipe. And we all went, oh, my goodness. And it didn't happen on Monday morning when she woke up at 4 and she and I talked for two hours. And then the nurse got her up and she was doing laps around the floor. 
And it didn't happen a week later when she walked out of the hospital after the doctor said, it won't be for three to four months. It happened Thursday night in the first 24 hours when I had no reason to have peace. But it came flooding in. It was a ballast in the storm. It's as real as you and me sitting and standing in this room. And God says to you, trust me, receive peace for all that is broken and twisted and causing you such anxiety. I'll give you peace. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and worn out, and I'll give you rest, rest for your souls. Father God, what a great God that you are. Forgive us for getting lost down the sentimental path of celebrating Christmas. And help us to remember again how you showed up through your son with flesh and blood, not in a tent, not in a temple, but in your son's physical body. And Lord Jesus, we love you that you went through all the hard stuff of life and that you limited yourself to a finite body and that you gave up your privileges of God so that you could not just be a man, but you would be a servant and be humbled and humiliated for us. And we worship you. And we pray by your spirit that you would give us faith, that we would be filled with all joy and all peace, and that we would enter 2018 full of hope, not just for the better day, but for your peace to carry us through every hard day. So grant faith, grow faith. Call us home into your loving arms. In Christ's name we pray.